Hey guys, welcome to the Candid Confidence Podcast. I'm your host, Leah Pardee from CandidConfidence.com. I'm a confidence coach, blogger, and online course instructor here to help you unleash your inner badass. This podcast is for the girl who is ready to ditch the self-doubt, overcome the overthinking, and live a life that feels fearless and free. So let's do the damn thing. Hi girl, welcome back to the Candid Confidence Podcast. I have a super special treat for you today. I have Sarah Ordo as our guest, and she's such a mixture of like a fierce badass woman and also such a sweetheart. And I've been tuning into her podcast for a while now, so I'm really excited to have her here with you guys today. I know you're gonna love this interview. Sarah Ordo, she's not your typical millennial girl, um, and she's craving to make moves and leave her mark on the world. She's a bit of a do-it-all kind of girl and seriously does all the things. She's an entrepreneur and the owner of 24 Lux Hair and Makeup in Detroit, an on-location hair and makeup team for weddings and events. She's also a licensed makeup artist, self-published author, podcast host, YouTuber, life coach, workshop creator, and most recently has begun organizing live local events. I am so pumped to have you here, Sarah. Welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you for having me on today. Yeah. Okay, so everyone is probably already dying to know your story, who you are, and how you got to where you are today. So give us all of it. Give us your juicy journey that you had over the past couple years. Yes. So I actually, like my life was not what it is now um, several years ago. I had no idea I was going to be doing all these things. My life really took a turn. Um, I actually started out as a preschool teacher and I also had my cosmetology license. So I was working in a hair salon and at some point I just decided working for someone else wasn't for me and I just craved to do my own thing. And that's when I started my company, um, 24 Lux, back in 2013. And honestly, I thought that's just what I was going to do. And what really changed everything for me was when I got sober in 2015. That led to my writing and self-publishing my first book called Sober as Fuck. And from that book, like my entire world changed. I now have eight, I will actually have nine very soon um, self-published pieces on Amazon and Kindle books that I've written. I have my, you know, my podcast, my YouTube, my coaching, my courses. And then, yeah, most recently I started doing my live events in Detroit, which have been super fun and a great way to connect with people in person more so than just on the internet with everything else I'm doing. But yeah, my sobriety is really what kind of like flipped the script for me because I wouldn't be doing any of the things I'm doing right now had I not gotten sober. Yeah. Okay. So I'm intrigued. Tell me a little more about, yes. <laughs> about the sobriety journey. Give us like kind of the background on that. Yeah. So I was a party girl, like to the extreme. I was a big time binge drinker. So I just every, I lived for the weekend, like every weekend I was blacked out. I was out at the bars until closing time and then figuring out where I could drink afterwards. I just was like, party girl 4,000. And what actually ended up getting me sober was I went to a really popular music festival that happens every year here in Detroit and did my typical pregame, like nothing out of the norm, was pretty much blacked out drunk by the time we got to the festival. And then I continued to drink and ultimately took a handful of pills and drugs from someone that I didn't know 
um, which I had always recreationally experimented with drugs throughout my drinking. I started drinking at age, oh my gosh, like 13. So I had always, you know, dabbled in drugs, but I wasn't always someone that would do something like that. But when I was blacked out, I obviously had zero inhibitions, zero judgment. Um, so that night I actually ended up having to be taken to the emergency room by ambulance from the festival. I collapsed on the concrete and the people I was with had to run me out to the medic tent and they were like, she's going in an ambulance. They couldn't find my pulse. My eyes were just rolling black in my head. And I ended up being loaded in an ambulance. I seized at some point and bit halfway into my tongue. I was on so many like IVs, wires. They thought I was going to go into cardiac arrest. I don't remember any of it, obviously, because I was so messed up. Um, but by the time I kind of like came to, I was in the hospital and I was obviously freaking out. I was terrified. I had no idea where I was or what had just happened. So I was ripping sensors off of my chest. I was pulling IVs and things out of my arms. The nurses had to come restrain me. And I was just like screaming and crying because um, I literally had no clue what had happened. And that is actually the day I got sober. I have not had a drop of alcohol since that day. Wow. Oh my gosh. Thank you for sharing all of that. And just in general, like I appreciate your vulnerability because for you to go public with all of this and talk about this on people's podcasts and in your books, I mean, was that scary for you at first, kind of bringing it into the light like this? Yes and no. I I knew like I had so much I could do with it and I knew that it was almost like a gift that I was given that I could, you know, share my story to help other people. But when I first started putting it out there, it was terrifying. I literally had like a massive panic attack the day I released the book because I had always, I had shared like details about what had happened, but that was the first time I put everything out and everybody was going to know all the details and everything to what actually happened on that day. And I remember, oh my gosh, just being terrified that like people in my family that we weren't like, you know, not close family, but like distant family was going to maybe see it. And my friends, like, would people judge me? Would they hold something against me? You know, I worried would people always label me as like an addict? There was a lot of fear around it. But at the end of the day, like it ended up being one of the best things I've ever done in my life. Wow. Okay. That's so interesting. And I, I feel like I've heard you maybe mention this in the past, but I really wanted to dig into the kind of like judgment that can come up when someone might think well, like, oh, but like if you weren't, if you weren't actually like an alcoholic, like why do you have to be sober? Or like, why can't you just have, like do people like not understand why you can't just have like one or two drinks or how does that go for you? I think for someone that's never experienced, whether it's firsthand or someone in their life, I think if for someone that's never experienced any kind of like alcoholism or addiction, it it's not easy for them to wrap their head around it because they don't understand like the depths of like how it actually works. I was just um, talking to someone about this on a podcast about um, her and I were both sober and we had both gone through struggles with addiction. And we were talking about how like some people just don't, they, they can't grasp it if they haven't been in it, that it's like, you know, everybody wants you to stop and maybe they're help, trying to help you and trying to do an intervention and give you all these resources. But like until you actually are ready to change your life, 
It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how many times your mom is crying. It doesn't matter how many times people are begging you. Like, you have to be there to be able to do it. And that's why I think it is, it's so difficult for people that are like, you know, we're your family. We're trying to help you. You know, we're crying. We're begging and pleading with you. And if someone that doesn't know what it's like sometimes can't grasp, like, what it feels like to be in that situation. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. I feel like there's just so much judgment about that in, in so many ways. And, you know, people can mm-hmm. so easily think, oh, well, that would never happen to me or all these things. But you really don't know until you're in that situation. Like, I never, you know, dealt with anything like that at all. But I'm somebody who really struggles with not blacking out. Um, and I mm-hmm. was recently on a business trip and I, the first night, drank way too much, blacked out, just you know, it's, it's like not okay with me to, to be not knowing, like to be not in control. Um, so, but sometimes I'll be like, I always think like, I'm just going to have two drinks and then I'll just stop drinking. But then by that time, it's just like over. So what are your tips or like, how did you have the self-discipline to completely be sober? I think honestly, for me, I just scared myself to death because You know, when I left the hospital that next day, like a doctor literally told me like, your body was shutting down on itself and we don't know how you like pulled through this because I'm like five feet tall. I am a very small girl. And the, they were just like the amount of things you consumed, like we don't know how you made it. And I think that was what really made me stop was not only realizing like I could not be here right now, like I could have died in that hospital. But seeing how that affected people around me, I think was the biggest driving force for me to stop drinking and stay sober was, you know, seeing my mom for the first time because my mom had been, someone told her, got in contact with her and told her I was at the hospital and they won't tell you anything over the phone. So my mom was calling the hospital freaking out and they wouldn't tell her, you know, what was going on. She just knew I was there. And, you know, going to see her for the first time and just her just like breaking down and crying and like holding me and then having to sit down and literally write out like apology letters and call people and apologize because people that genuinely cared about me thought there was a chance that I was dead and were, you know, panicking and freaking out and trying to figure out what was going on. And I just hated that I put all these people that cared about me so much in that situation and seeing how much I hurt them. And then having to sit there and apologize for it. And it was like, I can't do this anymore. Like, that's not right. Like, an apology isn't enough. You know, I need need to show people that I'm actually going to change because I don't want this to ever happen again. Wow. Like, I'm so proud of you for for everything that you kind of went through with your journey and and coming across and being able to say that you see it as a blessing because you've been able to, to help so many people through this. Um, is it ever difficult for you? Like, do you ever struggle with it still? Like not drinking or being in situations or anything like that? There are certain situations, um, especially in the first couple of years. I'll be five years sober this May. So in the first couple of years, it was a lot of like figuring out what I was comfortable with and what I wasn't. And especially um, my husband is not sober. He's not like a huge drinker, but he drinks socially, you know, with his friends watching football or, you know, things like that. And so there was a lot of times I tried to be like stubborn and be like, well, no, I'll be fine. I can be there too. And then would end up leaving something in tears having like a meltdown because I thought I would be okay being around it. And then I wasn't and I did get triggered. So it definitely took a lot of trial and error. It 
initially I figured I would just keep living my life the same way and I would just not drink. And I realized pretty quickly that that was taking a pretty big toll on me emotionally and mentally because I was trying to hang out with the same people who had no intention of changing their life and putting myself in the same environments that were, you know, contributing to my addiction and my struggles in the past. And I realized pretty quickly that I had to make big changes in my life if I was going to be successful in actually changing it. So, I mean, I will say the longer time goes on, it doesn't happen as often. I'm pretty aware of, you know, I can think about a situation or an event and be like, eh, I probably don't want to go to that just because I know there's going to be a lot of drinking. Um, there's a lot of things like, you know, even going to weddings and events that, you know, when you're a young woman, you go to a lot of things like that where I know I want to leave by a certain time because if people start getting really drunk, I just, I don't want to be there anymore. So it's, it's definitely taken a lot of trial and error and I think it's a little different for everyone. So where I might be comfortable going somewhere where there's alcohol and leaving early, you know, someone else might not be able to do that. So it's kind of individual to each person and where they're at in their journey with sobriety. Wow. Okay. So so kind of going along with that, I, I listened to your podcast. I know you kind of are into like mindset, personal development, obviously. When did you kind of discover that whole world? So when I got sober, I um, never went to AA. I, it just didn't resonate with me and I didn't, I just wasn't really comfortable with it. I took more of the um, therapy and like one-on-one -on -one approach. So I knew going into it that there was a lot of reasons why I drank that were internal. There was a lot of things about myself that maybe I didn't want to feel or deal with emotionally. And so my response was always just to drink. So I didn't have to face those things. I didn't have to feel those uncomfortable feelings. And so when I took the alcohol away, it was like everything came to the surface. You know, everything from trauma from my past, trauma from while I was drinking heavily, um, things with relationships, all of this stuff came up and suddenly I didn't have my coping mechanism. And so I had to figure out a way to work through my own shit and to heal and to get better. And, you know, therapy was huge for me. That was one of the first things I really think made a huge, huge impact on me personally. But at the same time, I really got into personal development then because I started, you know, exploring ways to better myself as I was bettering my life. So, you know, I got into the podcasts, I started reading the books, I started joining the Facebook groups, and I just felt like for the first time, I just aligned with these women so much, and I loved the feeling that I was bettering myself, and I wanted to, you know, show other women, not only women that were sober, but just any woman, how if you're willing to do the work on yourself and, you know, set intentions and follow it up with action in your own life, that you could make your life into whatever you want it to be. And so when I wrote my second book, actually, it was um, called Inner Bloom. It essentially became kind of what my life was like after I hit two years sober and I started to get a little more comfortable in my sobriety. And the whole book is basically about how I created my best life at the time and how I found true inner happiness in myself where I had relied on alcohol to feel that way in the past. And so that's when I really like fell into the whole personal development world and the self-help world. And I just fell in love with it. And I felt like I found this new thing to talk about too, on top of my sobriety, 
that women could relate to whether they were dealing with an addiction or not. Yeah. So when it comes to the whole mindset piece and with everything that you've learned over the past couple of years about that, if you could go back to yourself in like your early 20s and just give yourself like one little nugget or one little pep talk about like what you kind of wish you knew about about mindset, what would that look like? Oh, gosh. I wish I knew. I wish I could tell her that she is capable of finding all the things inside of herself that she was searching for from other people and things like alcohol, like men, like friendships. You know, I wish I could tell myself that I had everything within me all along that I ever needed. Wow. I'm into that because like doesn't can't we all look back at like 21 and like dating? Yes. Like, yeah, I wish we could. Yes. And the things. Yeah, the things you thought were like so important and you needed, looking back, it's like they were nothing in the big picture of things. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so you're such like a fun and happy and like bubbly person. And I want to know your secrets. How do you stay in high vibes? Do you have like any routines or rituals that you want to share with us about that? For sure. Um, So I think honestly, like mindset is a huge thing to do with it. But I think Like, and first of all, like, I still have my bad days. I still have my moments, you know, like, I think it's important for people to know that too, because I feel like a lot of people on social media don't show that side of it, especially a lot of women, like in the personal development world, just show like shiny, 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 perfect. And like, I always want people to know that like, that's kind of unrealistic to be 24 seven happy. So I always like to tell people like, you know, I'm human. I still have my moments too. But I mean, I am a pretty positive person. I am pretty uh, optimistic and like happy-go-lucky and outgoing. And I think for me, one of the biggest things is not only mindset, but also, you know, everything in your everyday environment, whether it's the things you say to yourself in your own head, whether it's, you know, the way you frame your days, if you're excited about the things you're doing or if you're making them all things you dread, I think it has a lot to do with you know, your space, your environment around you, if it's someplace you enjoy being or someplace you hate, you're uncomfortable. I think it has so much to do with, you know, the people you share your space with, your relationships, your friends. It's a lot to do with the energy and the things that are happening in your world that are really, really going to have a direct impact on how you feel on a day-to-day basis. And at the same time, I think You know, I said, like, I still have my bad days. I still have my moments, too. And, you know, when that happens, I always allow myself to feel the feelings that aren't so great, but I don't allow myself to become a victim to them in the long term. So, yes, I'll be upset. Yes, I'll feel bad about something. Maybe I'll cry if I'm frustrated. But then it's like, you know what? It's not time to sit in this. This doesn't define you. This doesn't define your life. Like, you have a choice to... Take what you need from this situation and move above and beyond it and kind of not sit in the things that happen in our life that aren't positive. Mm, Okay, yeah, that's awesome. So what, I guess, what specifically do you do when you kind of know you need to shift, like you're feeling the feelings and you're like, okay, I like am in this anxiety or I'm in this self-doubt. What do you do to shift out of that and shift back into like who you truly are? 
Um, I mean, first, like mindset shifting is immediate because I, I, I mean, this even happened to me the other day where something was happening and I literally told myself like, this is not the definite end of this. Like this will get better. There's something else coming. It doesn't matter. Like I think the self-talk is like the biggest thing because a lot of people like we have full-blown conversations with ourselves in our own heads and you know what you're saying to yourself is very powerful so like if i'm feeling like shit about something that's going on absolutely i could sit there and talk to myself and be like yeah this really sucks this sucks and i could complain about it all day and keep talking about how horrible it is and feel bad for myself or in that moment i can choose to tell myself okay yeah this sucked feel bad for a minute whatever but then I always try to ask myself, like, okay, like, what, what is this happening for? Like, why is this happening for me? What is this telling me? What is this teaching me? What is this leading me towards? So I think that, like, the way we talk to ourselves in that moment is extremely powerful. And then also, like I said, environment is huge. So I will, you know, if I'm in a certain environment, maybe I'll move to somewhere else. Maybe I'll get out of the house if something's going on and you know, even if I get in the car and go get a coffee or something just to switch up my environment, I'll turn on music, I'll work out. Like, you can change energy so easily if you just kind of like shift it to doing something different and not just sitting with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Um, one thing I love, I was telling someone about you coming on the podcast and I was like, she has live events that are called her best fucking brunch. I think that's like the cutest name of a live event ever. Yeah, um, and I'm just Thank over in you. Pittsburgh, so maybe I'll <laughs> hop over and, and come. But you do these live events that I am sure are amazing. And tell us about like how mm-hmm. when you started doing the live events, like did you deal with any of like the imposter syndrome that comes up, and how do you how do you kind of tame that? Yes, I dealt with it so much. I was literally I share this all the time now because I want people to know. Because, yes, I do these events. They're fun. They're great. They've sold out. Like, awesome. I literally, the day, or not the day before, but when I was planning my first um, one-day event, which is my biggest event, it was 100 women. It was the biggest thing I'd ever done. It was, like, so much to take on. I had a night before I had even announced it when I was, like, figuring out what I was going to price the tickets at that I literally was in bed crying and I called one of my really good friends and I was like girl you gotta talk me off a ledge right now because I was freaking out that nobody would want to pay for the ticket price I was gonna have the tickets at like freaking out like no one's gonna want to come they're gonna think it's too expensive they're not gonna want to invest the money they're not gonna see how important this is and how much value it has and literally like had a meltdown about it was panicking And so I always like to tell people that story because like all like what they see is me planning this event and having it's great. It's sold out. Awesome. Here's me on stage with a microphone. But I want people to know that like not for one second to ever think that people doing things that are big and scary are like exempt from feeling imposter syndrome. Because, you know, even when I go up there with the mic sometimes for the first few seconds, like if I'm looking at people in front of me and I feel like I can't read their reaction, I'm like, oh God, is she hating this? Like we all have that moment where it's very easy to resort to questioning yourself. And it's all its all not real. It's all something we're telling ourselves. It's all just fear trying to take over. And so, yes, I absolutely still get imposter syndrome and I feel like everyone does. Yeah, everyone does. And I think that's really, it's really powerful that you're willing to share that side because 
it's like you can talk to, you ever talk to someone who's like in the beginning stages of online business and they're like, oh, but like I can't do these things. I could never do that. I could never do what she's doing. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, we're no, di- like no one's any different. We're all human. Anyone who's doing anything exactly. like this is just a human being. Yes. I always tell people, I'm like, I am essentially no one special. I don't have anything in me that you don't have in you. I'm not some like superhuman. <laughs> I'm just a normal person that decided to have big goals and then actually like take action and make them happen. Yeah. And it's like once you can get like you're still going to be afraid, but it's like you you have a big why. Like you have to have a big reason why you want to like do something like this. But then once you can get the belief in yourself and you're, you're still going to have fear and imposter syndrome, but like once you believe and know it's possible for you, literally the sky's the limit. It's so crazy. It is. It's it's so true. Like anyone can achieve the craziest things. Like there's things I've done that if you would have asked me a couple of years ago, I would have never dreamed that they were going to happen and I was going to be able to do them. Right. Exactly. Okay. So my last question, do you have a favorite book in the realm of personal development? Oh gosh, I have so many. <laughs> I really do. I'm trying to think of the most recent ones I've done. Oh my gosh. I love The Universe Has Your Back by Gabrielle Bernstein. I feel like that was a huge one for me. Um, I love Girl Code by Kara Awoleba. Oh, I've read that one. I love her. I love her too. She um, actually wrote the foreword for one of my more recent books, um, 12 Rules of Being a Powerful Woman, and I just about died when she said yes. (laughs) I think I literally cried. I was like, oh my God, she's really going to do it. (laughs) Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, she's she's amazing. She's super cool. Yeah. Um, And then obviously all of your books. Um, Okay, so where can everyone find you? And everyone needs to go follow you on Instagram and listen to your podcast. Tell us where to find you. Yeah, so I have links to pretty much everything on my website, which is sarahordo.com. Um, I'm under my name on Instagram. I am the most active on Instagram, though, like my Insta stories and everything. That's where I am most often. My podcast is called Her Best Fucking Life. It's on iTunes and Stitcher. And I have a YouTube channel under my name. And my events are always under herbestfuckingbrunch.com if anyone is local or wants to come check them out. And all of my books are on Amazon and Kindle. Yay. Everyone go listen to her podcast. It's so good. And yeah, so excited. Thanks so much for joining us today, Sarah. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on.